Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good today, brother. How are you doing? I am doing great, man. I'm fantastic. Second episode of season two, right? Second episode of season two. Let's go. And I'm sure for those that have been to where we are currently at, you can tell by the pink wall, we're at a very special place today. You know yeah, what I'm are. saying? So got a special guest coming on the show, but you know, we're in October now, you know, a lot of big things have been going on for us the last few weeks, last few months. Um, so, you know, if you guys uh, are listening and haven't yet, go to www.overstepingpoverty.com and grab some of the latest merch. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That Easy OSP. Beauties. Let's go. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to introduce who we have today. We have a a successful entrepreneur and, and business owner. She's somebody that's been very, I would say, popular and known here in Sioux Falls. She's done a lot of awesome things. And I feel like for years our paths have crossed. But this is like one of our first times we're actually able to get down and, and have a in-depth conversation. So today we have this special Chantel Duncan. Let's go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what, kind, what did I do to get such an amazing introduction? I think well, you were just being yourself. Right. <laughs> well, you you invited us. Was and it welcomed the cheese sticks I offered earlier? The cheese oh. sticks, man. I'm kind of mad I didn't have one. <laughs> Stomach growling and mm-hmm. shit. So thank you for having me. Like this is. I'm just really happy because you guys are offering up your platform for me to speak, and that. That means a lot to me. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank I you. See you were in a full effect light skin curly mode over here. Oh, yeah. I had to get the curls <laughs> pop, the S curl. Man. You know what I'm saying? I had to turn up the lights so I can yes. be light skin too for a moment. <laughs> we are all in our elements. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's hop into this. Let's get going. On a lot of the episodes that we've had in the past, uh, we like yes. to basically get in and really understand first kind of where you come from, mm-hmm. how it was growing up, um, and then from there we'll kind of take it into a okay. few other things. So how about you take us back to to the beginning? To Little Shan. To Little Shan. So um, I have kind of a unique story. I am adopted, but I wasn't adopted till the age of nine. So I was, you know, taken from my mother, from a like newborn, actually. So and then we would go back with her and then we get taken away from from her again. So we kind of were all over the place. Well, we me and my brought my twin and my brother. Okay, we were kind of all over the place. And then um, we got placed into a foster home and my dad, uh, my adopted dad, um, he was going to USF. 
Okay. He moved us all here. So. Oh, where originally are you from? Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Very cool. And then at what age did you Somewhere get up here? Somewhere worse. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, I'm actually false. originally from there as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. And I, too, was adopted. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit, y'all might be related for. Yeah. We might be. We, I don't we know. We might have to do a family tree. <laughs> That's crazy. Twenty three and me. Yeah. Right. Gotta right. <laughs> right. get to it. So my dad was one of the first black pastors here in Sioux Falls. Um, my father, Robin Duncan, has been. He had the first concert. He had a Jerry curl. He okay. came up <laughs> with an album, a tape. <laughs> like oh. my dad was like an entrepreneur, and I looked up to him. And then my mother owned her own salon. On. Mm. So, you know, this is debatable by a lot of the <laughs> hair people, but I mean, from I've been here since 1990. Um, so, and my mom went to Stewart and then she opened up her own salon, I want to say in 93, 94. And so, I, we're kind of like the OG black people here in Super mm-hmm. Bowl. So, so I'd say she was the first um, black female business salon o- or business owners of a salon here in Sioux right. Falls. And so I got a lot of my, you know, my dad went to school and um, he graduated from college and then my mother was running a salon. Okay. So I got kind of like of both. both. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. So, and I have an identical twist twin sister, so that was hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, especially in a place like this. It, thinking back to that, when you got here, how old were you? Four. Okay, mm-hmm. four. And so basically you've grown up much of your life here in Sioux mm-hmm. Falls. What have you seen change the most? Oh, there's a lot that has changed here. Um, I'd have to say culture. So I, you know, a lot of people watching this is going to be like, dang, she's black, you know, (laughs) because I don't I honestly I don't I don't look like a normal black person. Um, I just happen to be light. Oh, you're black, too. And you're a lighter. People think you're Spanish, right? People think I'm Spanish. But my story is a little different. And, but actually, me and you have the same story because we were both adopted into black families, correct? Right, right. Um, in the early 80s, um, when I was born, the state of Iowa was very big on making sure that black children went with black families. Okay. So the thing about that, so the culture growing up here was um, I wasn't really accepted into a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends growing up in elementary school until that culture changed mm-hmm. on TV and... Mm-hmm. Obama and you know uh, it was more a little acceptable I, I want to say the CBA was out here uh, storm was out here um, so when more black people started coming here I saw culture change with my friendships with people right. in the school yeah. um, I did fight a lot I'm not gonna lie I was scrapping sure I was a scrapper. <laughs> I was scrapping man you always had a mouthpiece yeah right. I was I was, I was Boy, you could tell me nothing because, my, you know, my dad, I loved my dad because my dad always made sure that it was okay for me to accept that I was half white and it was okay for me to accept I was half black. And that wasn't an issue. You know, I never my parents never and they're both black. My adopted parents are both black. They never made me feel like I had to choose. Mm. But society did. So when we would go back home to the hood, I was white girl. And then when I would come back here, I was black girl. Mm. And so it became like I was always fight. Like I literally, I was fighting dudes. I was fighting females, males. I was fighting the whole race. And um, 
that was your culture back then. You had to fight for what you wanted. Like as long as you weren't a punk, they left you alone. Right. You know, you saying that it kind of, I'm like, gosh, that's probably why I kept getting beaten up by my sisters. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like they probably thought the same thing. I'm like, wait, you don't have to fight me, fight someone else. But I was, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, and now I have, I have a mouth, you know, and when I was younger, I would, I learned my lesson. Yeah, I learned my lesson quick, (laughs) though. Not today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I think that's very relatable with society really making you choose Mm -hmm. as a mixed race person. It's not something that is really talked about very often. And especially right now where we see Sioux Falls, where that diversity is changing, even in the elementary schools where the minority is now majority. The majority. Absolutely. Exactly. So a topic that, you know, and we'll get into it now. I think in the future it'd be a good conversation for people to really dive into is knowing how to identify a mixed race person. Because Absolutely. oftentimes it's no, they're black or they're white, or if you have a mixed race person, you know, a lot of times people are like, Well, you're black anyways. Or like right. they don't see mm-hmm. that, they see the you as a black person. And I get where they're coming from. Right. But it's not what it will always be it's not always Mm going to be that way so i guess the way that i like to i love to explain things in color so (laughs) that's what i'm gonna say it's like those pronouns they use they them Mm -hmm. you know um so we don't address him as him because we don't know if he will ever be a she right so that's the same thing with us mixed people do not, I, I'd like to ask a mixed person, uh, wh- what do you identify as, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if you identify as a black person, then it's, that's how I'm going to address you. So sure. ain't, ain't no mixed person going to say <laughs> the right. other mm-hmm. thing, but you know, right. that's true. I just like to ask like, okay, what do you identify as more, you know, because I had a real black experience. I can't speak sure. for you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what experience you had. Did you have the black experience? Was right. it outside? of a Sioux Falls black experience I had a real black experience mm-hmm, um, right. we went to the same church that was a real black experience mm-hmm. I think our whole being was a real black experience and it's different so that's why I like to ask you know I have a best friend whose mother is white and father is black and he made sure his daughter had a black experience. And so I guess it's kind of all how us mixed people grew up. And so that's why I say I like to address like, Hey, you know, this is okay. Wherever you relate, I just want to always respectfully address how you see fit. Right. But if you think I'm about to choose (laughs) another thing coming for other people though, I, because when you say, I like to just ask them, you know, now put yourself into someone else's shoes who's okay. who's white. And, I mean, they can't come out and ask you, like, hey, are you black or white? Because then most people get offended. Well, they do. Do they? All the Let's time. talk about that then. Yeah. Because that's, the, that's some of the misunderstanding that we're talking about here as far as, I mean, obviously, I'm not. I'm black. Okay. It's, it's easy. It's easy to no, see until I turn these lights up and I look light skinned. You know what I'm saying? He but said, <laughs> he said, I do have my moments. Right. Right. But I mean, it's, 
what we're opening right now, even like with this podcast here, are these tough conversations that you can have no matter the race, no matter right. the gender, you know? Right. Um, so how does how does someone approach something like that? So usually they approach me by speaking Spanish. They think that I'm Spanish and I'm and I and I and I have to because it takes a lot of kind of like kahunas to like assume something of you. Right. And so I like to always like set the set the mode to be peaceful. So mm -hmm. I'm always like, no, I get that all the time. Right. I'm not Spanish. Um, I'm actually black and white. And they're, they'd be like, what? Right. And then they say, let me guess. Your mom's white and your dad is black. And then I throw a loop and I'm like, nah, both of, they both black. <laughs> Shoot. Right. They be like, nah, -uh. uh, show me your mom. Yeah. So I'll be scrolling up Linda Duncan. Mm, right. and, you know, and then they'll be like, nah, that's not your mom. Like how they're, you know, and I'm mm. like, okay, so I did that. I do that on purpose because mm -hmm, you right. can't assume because I'm light skinned that I'm Spanish and, but it's just like, it's just the lack of education. So I yep. can't get mad at ignorance when you, you don't know me. I don't know them, mm -hmm. but I just, I give them grace, mm -hmm. right? you know, for sure. That's kind of like I feel like you, you have to, but when it comes to like identifying, when you ask somebody, I was going to say, if you've grown up in a society where you were told you're one thing, typically that's what you're going to identify as. So a lot of times, and you see it, through many different races where people have a hard time identifying with who they are because of how society has treated them. Right. You know? So I think naturally that response is going to be, and it's been beat into our head. Like, no, like the way the world sees you when you're mixed is you're black. Mm. And that's a conversation that have I've heard many times. I don't know. Uh, you don't think so? No. Well, tell not, me about that. Okay. Hold on a second. When you're a mixed man, that's different. You're black, but when you're a mixed female, black men are always questioning my blackness because mm. of the way I talk, my hair. I don't have any, I have a wave in my hair, but it's not, it's like, it's like white people. Sure. Mm -hmm. So when you look at me, besides the way that I'm shaped, they're going to be like, oh, is she, what is she? She's a voluptuous, you know, white girl, you know? Right. Black men, I just feel like black men are the only ones who are questioning if I'm white or not or if I'm black. So that's the experience that I get. And then black women. And, right. mm -hmm. and I, I'm not saying this to make any black woman uncomfortable. That's just my experience. Sure. A black man and a black woman is always looking at me like, is she more white? Is she more black? Like, what? what is she? And usually they find out real quick when I can say no. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like I have yep. boundaries, bro. Right. You know? And so then they're like, Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would rebuttal that just to, just in the same sense of maybe when you say, when it comes from a black male, it's mm -hmm. the same way, even if like for me. Okay. So like when I'm conversating with a black male, I may have those same conversations. Correct. You know what I'm saying? So I think it is more so like, I don't even know. It's it's hard to explain, but I think we we share a lot of the same experiences because Correct. of that. So, so I want to ask. Can I ask a question? Absolutely. Okay. So, one thing that I've experienced with being light skin is people automatically think that me and you get this light skin card, right? Where we're just oh he's light skin he's gonna get the job or she's light skin mm. she's gonna. No, that's not true. Mm. I have gotten told no. 
time and time and time and time over, which goes into a little bit why I'm here. Sure. Um, you don't mind me going that way, do you? Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. I am here because people told me no. I have a marketing degree. I wrote for, contributed to 605 uh, Women's Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember when I graduated from hair school, I went to a certain salon and they completely wasted my time and they mm-hmm. thought they treated me as if I was 18 years old. Right. I had applied at so many higher end salons and I'm actually really good at doing hair and I'm good at everything that I do. And they all told me no. Right. I started in Walmart salon doing haircuts all day long. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually really happy those people told me no. You know what one person said? You won't fit in here. Well, you probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't. She was mm-hmm. right, though. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, like, uh, what I wanted to ask her is, like, what you think was going to happen? I was going to be going like this. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, hold up. You want some chicken, Susan? You know, like, they automatically think I'm about to bring my family, my family. You know, don't uh-huh. you get that? You know, like, yep. yeah. They think that I'm about to be my bring my grandma. We about to do a perm and it's going to smell like egg in here all day with like the stories on, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, dang, did I give the off that, you know, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it's ignorance. Yeah, it's ignorance. And it's not even like that. And it's like, but like I said, I'm happy that actually the Walmart salon helped me grow in so many ways where I knew I wasn't going to get that anywhere else. Mm -hmm. I was very appreciative of that journey and every no. Right. I I think one of my favorite quotes is, and that's actually why we're all here, I feel like, is uh, when they don't have a spot at the table, you make your own. Right. Absolutely. You know, and that's why we're in your business right now that's running successfully, whereas there are a lot of people that are struggling right now. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So first of all, kudos to you and, uh, you know, having the willpower to continue after being told no, after no, after no. Because there's a lot of people that are listening to this that relate to that. Right. So, okay, have you heard of people talk about how we live in a two-dimensional world? Have you heard that concept? I have. And so, I mean, I don't grasp onto scientific things like that because at the end of the day, it's logical. We still have to be like, it's not what we're feeling. It's the Mm -hmm. best thing that we need to do. But I also believe that the word no opens up to that 3D dimensional portal. Sitting in the hot seat is what's going to open up that portal for you to actually see clearly. Mm-hmm. I don't think yes is uh, you can see clearly through a yes or the abundance of money that everyone's throwing around. I, I think that those are all distractions to get you from that 3D portal. And mm-hmm. so I love when people tell me about myself. I love when people tell me no, because I know that there's a yes around the corner or, or at least the yes that I deserve because mm-hmm. right. I'm okay with saying, Oh, I'm just not deserving of it right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Those no's lead you to where you're going. Absolutely. And it's a lot of, I mean, that when you get told no, you're, you're probably more under stress. You know, you're probably thinking a lot harder on what moves you're going to be making. So I think you just get more creative. Absolutely. Right. That and failure. failure I mean, failure sure. is definitely, the the root to any success absolutely i mean sometimes there's days i wake up and i'm like i feel like i haven't failed enough because i feel like i can be doing more and the only way that you push yourself to do more is typically being at rock bottom when you're at rock bottom i guarantee you're gonna find a way out you know what i'm saying um survival of the fit exactly exactly and it's actually something i want to lead into um you know as just as far as being a business owner Mm -hmm. and whatnot there's a lot of people again that are listening to this podcast and they come across any adversity and 
either trying to open up their own business Mm -hmm. or they had a business and it failed and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Have you kind of gone through any of those roadblocks where you're like, you know what? No, this it's it doesn't stop here. It doesn't end here. Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, So this uh, entrepreneurship is very ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is not rainbows and kisses and hugs and little joke joke here. It's Mm -hmm. it's just not like that. Um, Especially meeting people in the industry that know that you have that drive. I feel like my drive is kind of offensive because some people don't have that. And Mm -hmm. I, and I'm a woman and I am single and I don't have a second income in my household. This is me. Mm -hmm. This isn't anybody else. I I can't be like, oh, well my, my husband or my boyfriend is going to bring in a check, you know, so I'll be able to cover rent. No, that's if it's not covered, it's not covered, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think like going into entrepreneurship, it's, it's, I've had an ugly experience and I know that I've listened to a lot of your, um, your guys's, uh, podcasts and a lot of people kind of skip through that ugly experience. Mm -hmm. And I just want to paint that picture for you. Um, because like you said, someone could be listening and be like, Oh, you know, like, okay, okay. She's gone through that too. I just don't mm -hmm. think we speak enough of the ugly part of, being successful for sure so you want to start with the questions yeah i do well so kind of where i wanted to go with with that is as a business owner how did you get here to this Mm. specific place to a storefront to the yes to a storefront you were starting in walmart you were told no all over the place how did you go from walmart to having a storefront Funny story. So my car broke down. I was at Walmart and I'm like, I know this car ain't going to work, get through the winter. And so I shout out to the person who helped me. But um, she was like, "Um, let's just check your credit and let's see if we can get you a car. So she approved me. And so I think I got approved for some like $25,000. And so I had to make a pimp decision. And and, uh, I had to, I had to say, okay, what can I afford? Can I afford a brand new car right now? And this was like six years ago. Mm -hmm. So can I afford a brand new car right now? Can I afford for a car to break down on me because I want a low car payment? Like Mm. what is the best decision to make? And this is an investment. Mm -hmm. So basically that was my first big investment was a brand new car. And so I, she was my, you know, uh, she was like, Hey girl, your income's not going to cut it. What are you going to do? She's like, I'm going to prove you for this. But she was like, I'm going against my better judgment. You don't have credit. Mm -hmm. You don't even keep enough money in the bank account. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I don't know why, but I'm going to give you this chance. Wow. And I was like, I'll take it. Right, <laughs> you know? right. And I said, I promise you. And these words changed my life forever was telling someone I won't let you down. Mm. And I said, I won't let you down. And I paid that car off last year. And I wow, got another. Congratulations. Yeah. That's I traded awesome. it in, though. I yeah. didn't keep it. Right. Yep. And it was on its last leg. It wasn't starting anymore. <laughs> but but um, that's what it pushed me. I was like, what I gotta pay the I gotta pay I got a three hundred and forty dollar back then it was like three hundred the the nice cars was three hundred and forty dollar right. car note and then my insurance was I was older so that didn't really, it was like a hundred bucks and then um I still had rent I still had you know 
I still had obligations. Right. And I was like, how am I going to make ends meet? And so I started hustling. I just started, not like that, but hustling well, makeup. I was, I was yeah, slaying I was makeup say. brushes. Well, she was really out here. <laughs> so, yeah, I was out here with the, uh, with the, lip, with the lip gloss. Uh, so I started um, doing wedding wedding makeup for like 40 bucks. Wow. Because I was thirsty. I was like, what? 10 people times 40 and everybody else is charging $80 per people, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, I started doing that and I was like, <sighs> the first wedding I did, I botched him, but <laughs> I, I learned and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. Right. And so, um, I started doing 40 and then I started getting really good at doing makeup. And then I started, my name started to get passing around. And then I got with Sioux Falls women magazine mm-hmm. and I started doing cover makeup for them. And then I started contributing. So I started writing articles for them. Okay. So I was constantly doing makeup, whether it was airbrush makeup, whether it was just regular applications. Um, I, I would take brides out to coffee. I didn't have no money. I was right. like, Hey, I was on the garage sale. You need someone. Let me take, I'll take you out to coffee. We can talk. Yeah. And I had like $50 in my pocket. And I spent my last little 25 that I knew I could on Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And so, and I always tell people this cause I do mentor a lot. People ask me a lot, like, how do you do this Chantel? How did you get, you know, like you said to here. And I said, I was willing to do things for free. Yeah. That's big. If you're not willing to do things for free, that then it's not a passion. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to choose in this industry, in any industry that you just have a dream for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either money or your passion. Right. Yep. So, so then um, I kind of started picking up around town and then I had got with a high end photographer. I'm not going to name names because it didn't end great. Mm. <laughs> and um, all these clients, you know, the funny thing is, is the clients are the ones that usually tell you, you should start charging more. You're really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what? I'm good. They're like, yeah, you're really good. Like you made me feel beautiful. I look beautiful. Like, thank you so much. And so as I was developing relationships and these people, I'm not going to say who were using me, you know, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we offer this package with makeup. So they would get $1,300 for the whole session, and then they're throwing me 40 bucks. Right. That's so crazy. I was like, uh, no. And so I noticed in my journey of entrepreneurship, that's the turn of ugly. Mm-hmm. When I had to tell someone who I'd been working with for two years, how come you can charge $1,300 for your sessions and you're only giving me 40 and you're promising your clients 40? You don't respect my talent. And so that is when my reputation took a turn for where it is. Ah, not now, but I'm I'm crawling mm. out of it, you sure. know. So that's where things kind of got dirty. Okay. So was it more so? Well, I want to go into that as okay. well because I think that's another side of entrepreneurship that once we, you know your value, people don't like that essentially because they can't use you anymore right right and we've had we had this conversation with matt roach where he had his people were putting his signs in the houses he was building and when he took those signs out and said no i found out how much value i had by you putting this here now it's not an issue okay right so like i want to go into that what like what was that experience like after you were kind of came to the realization that you were being essentially Mm -hmm. used 
mm-hmm. and you spoke up about it. Like, how did that give you a negative reputation? So I, this is one thing, entrepreneur, someone who is going through this, I need you to hear me out and hear these words and harbor it where they can't use you. They will misuse you. Mm. And so that's what I started learning. So now that you can't use me anymore, you're going to tarnish my name within this industry. Mm. And that's exactly what people did. Oh, don't work with Chantel. She's difficult. So here, here's a couple of things. I'm black and I'm telling you no. So a woman saying no, I'm coming in and defending myself. I'm coming across aggressive right. and I'm coming across like I'm complaining. I'm coming across like I'm entitled, but I feel like I am entitled to how I'm treated sure. or what I get paid. And I've paid my dues for three years of doing things for almost free. Right. I don't deserve a raise. Mm. So if they can't use you, they're going to misuse you, especially when I had to realize people want to be friends with me for an agenda. Mm. And so I had to find out what people's agendas were. And I just, I cut it off. And so when I was giving people a stern no, so I'm giving people a stern no, and I'm a single woman. I don't have a man that I can blame it on. Oh, well, Johnny said, no, I can't do that. No, Chantel said, no, I can't do that. There's no excuses here. There's no pull of excuses. I had to deal with things like right up front. Right. That's tough. Mm -hmm. It's very tough, um, especially when I know that they're about to go make a Google review (laughs) because I said no. Right. Or they're about to tell everybody in this industry, don't work with Chantel. Don't booth rent from Chantel. Don't do anything from Chantel because she's mean, you know. Uh So and, and it was just because I wouldn't allow you to take advantage of me. And another thing, uh, kinda taking it back to when I was uh when I got out of Walmart. And I knew that that wasn't going to bring the income to make the car payment. A friend who's not a friend anymore (laughs) um, was like, hey, there's this lady. She said that you can booth rent from her for 60 bucks a week. I didn't have a clientele to even come in and get a a mustache trim for $10, (laughs) you know. So I was like, I can't do it. She goes, yes, you can. You have drive. Trust me, I believe it. I believe in you. You can mm-hmm. do it. And so I went on a whim and I said, okay. So I quit my job. I had all these bills due and I went to booth rent. And that I think was the biggest turning point was leaving everything behind, not getting a second job and putting all my energy into my craft. Mm-hmm. Right. That's big too. That's hard. Right. That's hard. And it takes sacrifice oh. and a lot of grit to be able to do some because there's a lot of people right now that you know and i see it a lot in in the real estate world where a lot of realtors that i know they do part-time work mm-hmm. they work one full-time job and then and then they're a realtor on the side and a lot of times what i see is they're spending so much time in their full-time job thinking mm. that that's really where the safety is mm-hmm. that if they worked half that time on the real estate side of the th- everything, they'd be making in right. one transaction what they would make in two, three weeks. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and it takes a lot of determination, willpower and all those things. And really you have to believe in yourself Absolutely. to be able to do something like that. Right. So, Absolutely. And so another thing is 
is that people don't know what opportunity looks like. Mm-hmm. They don't know what a win is. So people think the win is the check. Right. That's mm-hmm. the win. But I had to learn real quick that that was never the win. And it was never the win for me. The win for me was being able to connect with other women on a level where I was able to hear them cry, where I was able to be like, girl, you look great. Right. Or Mm -hmm. you're not fat. You know what I'm saying? Like someone, a white lady came in and showed me a picture of Beyonce. She said she wanted her hair like that. And I had to say, that's not going to look good on you. And that's Beyonce. You know what I'm right. saying? Uh-huh. Like I have to, I have to be realistic. People will Pinterest, you know, an Asian lady came in and wanted her hair done. And she showed me a picture of a white person. If you're getting the visual here, it's yeah. like, wow, you didn't Google Asian wedding. Mm-hmm. You Googled wedding makeup and it popped up a white person. And you showed me that. Mm-hmm. And not for one second, you didn't think that that doesn't look like you. Right. So I had to bring down and that's another reason why it gets ugly, because you have to bring down the perception or bring up the perception of who you are. And I'd have to say, hey, you know, you don't look like that. So that makeup is not you're not going to be happy with what I do because you're not going to look like Susie. It doesn't Mm -hmm. fit. It's not going to fit. And so thank God that I was put around some of the biggest hustlers in this small little building that I was booth renting from. And I understood that this was an opportunity for me to soak in. So there's this one lady, she's brilliant with hair and I know she listening to this (laughs) because she don't like me, (laughs) but she's brilliant. um, And she knows who she is and she gave me the juice and I will always be thankful for her. So I watched her, I watched her do hair, I watched her. And then that's when I just looked around and I was like, oh my God, I'm in this gold mine. Like I would get goosebumps when she would do hair and Mm. I would get goosebumps when I watched the other lady who owned the place conduct business and how she worked. I was like, okay, God, you want me to be a millionaire. All right. right. Go ahead and put me (laughs) in a winning opportunity. (laughs) And then what happened was, is I was so determined that that whole place was filling up with my clients and not theirs. Wow. Mm. There wasn't anywhere for their clients to sit. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I got into a petty little fight, you know, and I started, uh, you know, like things that were going on within the um, one night. <laughs> I'll just, I'll be a little messy. One mm. night, <laughs> uh, me and a friend were drinking fireballs while I was doing her hair. And the other lady went and took pictures, went into my stuff and mm. took pictures. Oh, you're drinking on the job. That is none of your business. <sighs> so then I started seeing like, oh, you want me out. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you don't have to throw me out. And so one day I showed up because the, the lady who taught me so much who uh, that she's just brilliant at hair color. She told me that I was never going to be anything with that attitude. She said that I don't care if somebody's sitting around talking about Trump. I'm just going to listen. I said, well, not me, not for the almighty dollar. Mm -hmm. So the owner and her got into like, you know, they were in cahoots and, and I felt really bad for the owner and I don't respect her for this, but I do respect her for this. Mm -hmm. She asked me to leave. Mm -hmm. She said, could you leave? Why? You know, like they, they want you to do good, <laughs> but just not as not good, there. not better than them. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what Raji That's says? Real. You know who Raji yeah. is, right? You yeah. know who Raji says? Oh, Raji yeah. says, 
you're good, but you sucked. <laughs> you know? yep. So basically that's what it was. I was yep. good, but I sucked. Right. And I'm not going to lie. I was very immature. I didn't understand the business. There was a lot of things that I could have learned, but they could have used that as coaching opportunities and they used it for a judgment opportunity. Sure. Right. Now, do I think the person that owned it, like, do I, I don't have any issues with her at all. She was doing what she had to do or she felt the need to do. But I felt like I was slighted because I just didn't even get the opportunity. You know, I, I felt like I was robbed of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, and when that person upstairs or whatever energy y'all believe or whatever energy that you give back. See, I'm always going to be researching my next step. Mm -hmm. I'm never sitting stagnant. And so I had been uh, researching like, yeah, my time is up because this lady is really going in on me, telling me I'm not going to ever be anything. I need to find another space. Mm -hmm. So I did not know that you go through a broker to get space, you know, usually don't go to owners directly. And that's how things work in this, in that industry or this industry when you're trying to rent bigger buildings. Yeah. So a broker, (laughs) I was, I don't smoke anymore, but smoke chain smoking cigarettes. And I was like, what am I going to do? I got a $340 car payment. I bought a brand new car. (laughs) (laughs) My baby needs shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a phone call and he was like, Hey, I got a space. And he was like, but I can't be there, so I'm going to have you meet with the owner. He was like, nice guy. Just be prepared. And he hung up. And I was like, oh, wow, tomorrow, you know? So I met with the owner, and he showed me, like, it, it's like a little office space. Have you been? Did you? Have you been to our The person? one before this one? Yeah. I never went. My wife did, but I never okay. did. Okay. Yeah. So we, it was in, like, an office space. Okay. And so I was like, all I needed to know was can I get connected to y'all plumbing? You know, mm-hmm. cause I need a, a washing hair bowl thingy, a, you know, like a hair washing. Yeah. Um, so he was talking to me and he was asking me um, honest questions. And so I'm, I'm a lot like, don't waste my time. Yeah. So, and you're an owner of this building. He probably owns property all over Sioux Falls. And so we met and I said, look, I'm not going to yank your chain, but I have a $340 car payment. I bought a brand new car because I couldn't afford to not get where I need to go. Um, I was just at this place. They kicked me out for really no reason to me. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like there was a reason. And I said, and this is what I can afford. I can afford right now to pay you $440 a month and I don't have a deposit to give you. So could you work with me on that? And you know what he said to me? Chantel, thank you for not wasting my time. You're hungry. I respect you. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you this space. I'm going to pay for the plumbing to get built in here. And all I need you to do is just pay your rent and be successful. Mm, it's a blessing. Dang. That's hard. And right that man there. taught me so much. He taught me so much. Um, so, so then that's when I got into the first 605 Vixen. That's when wow. 605 yep. Vixen was birthed. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. She had a name, right. you know? And so uh, <laughs> I, of course, I had to be right next to his wife's office, you know, but I mean, he gave me an opportunity of a lifetime. And so this Mm. space, and so that's why I built that space over there because Mm. that's exactly what that space looked like. And I just can't let go of it. Yeah. That's, that's where I, I, so then I got into eyelashes. So eyelashes was my second investment into my job. 
And so those of you who are listening, if you don't understand what an investment is, what an investment is, is your guys' mics, your your Macs, your ring lights, whatever that may be, you're going to have to take that first step of investment. Right. For sure. So I took an eyelash class. It was $1,300. And my friend, uh, Christina, she owns Christina Hair Salon. Drop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She was like, girl, I know you got your taxes. She goes, why don't you take this $1,300 class with me? And I was like, she was like, no, Chantal, I really see that you could do good in that. She was like, come on, just take it with me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I am getting my taxes and I could spare $1,300. Mm-hmm. Paid it cash and um, went to a hotel, had 30 women in there. Wow. $1,300 times 30. You do the math. Mm-hmm. Right. They handed us this little kit. Showed us some stuff on the screen protector, and we were doing lashes, putting chairs together, <laughs> barely poking our eyeballs out. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was like in there. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> like, I'm a lash artist, like $200 an hour. Okay. That's crazy. Hell no. It did, <laughs> it did not end well. So I remember I like marketed it, you know, because I have a marketing degree. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I could do lash extensions, $100. Boy, I was sweating because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing because mm. they didn't give me proper education. So uh-huh. I remember after my first three client clients, it took me like, it took me like almost six hours to do one lash. And I was like, wow. I was like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to glue her eyeball. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, I got to quit. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I had over marketed. So now I've already created a reputation. That I do eyelashes and I can't do them. So I was mm. like, ah, and I made a $1,300 investment that worked me. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what am I going to do? And so it's like it's survival of the fittest. Am I going to let people cut in line or am I going to go with my hunch? Because I know that this is an industry that's about to blow up. Mm-hmm. So I just did research and I did more research and I did more research and I was up and I joined every group on Facebook about how to do eyelashes. And I saw that everyone was gatekeeping and I saw that everyone was making fun of everybody's work. I w- so what I did was. I got a hold of the distributor, the people who sell the eyelash equipment Mm -hmm. and her group five years ago, it'll be, I'll be in my fifth year of lashing almost five years ago. I had like 3000 people in it. She has like over a million people in her group and I had her personal number and I just, I, what happened was, is I was like, man, I'm not trying to make a fan. I'm not trying to make eyelash fans. That's going to take me three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a cheater. So I love to cheat the system. That's my thing. And not that I love to cheat the system. I love to cheat a system that I know could work better for me and not right. work me. Right. This lady hopped up in my inbox and she was like, hey, I don't tell people this, but I've seen you post for like two months straight. I said, she goes, listen, get go with Paris Lash Academy and they're, distri- they're a great distributor. They'll give you the blueprint. You just got to learn how to do it. And she, I go, are you sure? Like, I don't want it, you know, because we're dealing with the eyeballs here. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, I don't want it to burn anyone's eyes. I need to be able to get eyelash glue when I need, I need, I need to have overnight. I need to, I need to be able to overnight whatever I can because I know that they don't sell eyelash stuff. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yep. 
got with the distributor, sent her a picture. Hey, I want to do this. <laughs> of course, she oversold me products. But more than half of the products work for me. And boy, when I figured that out, I put this is when Facebook ads before the iOS update. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could go to the Android users and the iOS users. Now with the update, you can't. Mm -hmm. So it filters out a lot. Back then, I put a budget of $40 a week. I said that I was doing lashes for $50 a pop. And when I tell you, I was booked three months out. And then I just Uh kept getting better and better and better and better and better and better. And then I kept um, advertising no matter what. It didn't matter if I was booked or not. I still ran the same advertisement with the book now button. I hope you guys are listening. I'm giving Mm -hmm. secrets. Right. And uh, I'm dropping some gems. (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) That's what me and my daughter do. We say boop. (laughs) So like, we'll we'll go into meetings and we'll listen to someone drop a gem and she'll go boop. (laughs) And uh, I'm like, picking it up. Right. So um, I ran my ads and no matter what, I always read the ad, ran ads and this is where it got ugly. Didn't up my prices. Uh-huh. I brought someone else on. Oh, yes. Oh my God. And it was a headache. So what really? I, I was, so that's when we get into access etiquette. If you understand and access etiquette to me is knowing who to bring, give you access or knowing who for you to give access to and for them to understand that they can't bring whoever they want into your life. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.